0: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. You know, you
1: don't, you don't think about it or try to think about it, but, you know, when we're chasing a playoff spot, we know that we have to get those. So it's, it's a good feeling to me and a good feeling for the team.
2: We'll back Lugan and Sabres goaltender after yesterday's game, and he continues to be a major shining light for this Sabres team. He's well over 900 save percentage, well under three goals against, and it's it's just it's been a lot of fun to see his progression. And now, <laughs> kind of yesterday felt like the culmination where he I mean he was lights out in the, sh- in the shootout, lights out four oh, yeah. for four in terms of saves, absolutely great for him. Zach Jones, Josh Schmidt, hanging out here for the next hour. You're listening to the Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show and is brought to you by Northtown Automotive. Whatever you're looking for, you'll find it at Northtown, Shop Online and NorthtownAuto.com. Josh, you had a fun tweet that you were seeing during the break that you want to bring up here. Yeah. And it's going to give me no
1: blind hope, but I think oh, it might give you a little bit of hope. It's giving me blind hope. You remember how I said my optimism was kind of shifting all towards Bills drafting a wide receiver? 100%. Well, yep. it's feeling more and more like the Bills are going to draft a wide receiver. I just... Putting it into existence, it's going to happen. Okay. It's going to happen. So my optimism is shifting back to the Sabres a little bit because they're on a three-game winning streak, and this tweet kind of reignited the fire. So Joe put out his one of his polls earlier about, you know, how aggressive do you want the Sabres to get if they, you know, make a push for the playoffs here with the, the points and everything like that and, and the trade deadline only being uh, like a week and a half away. Mm-hmm. Jonathan tweeted in, The last time the Sabres made the playoffs in 2010-2011, they didn't get a three-game win streak until February. They got got hot in March and April. How many points back were we then? I can't find out how many points back they were at this point that season, but I wanted to fact-check this. Everything about what he said is true. The Sabres in 2010-2011 played bad in the first month. They Mm -hmm. had two separate five-game losing streaks, one of which was six games into the season. They won their first game, and then they lost the next five. Okay. And then they won another one, and then they lost the next one. And they won and and lost, and won and lost. It was just like this season. Fun. In February, on February 12th. Okay. Hang on. Where'd it go? Yeah. Gotta make sure. February 10th. They got their third win in a row over the Florida Panthers. A 3-2 win in overtime. Okay. A little bit of a parallel there. That kind of got me excited a little Mm -hmm, bit. mm Mm-hmm. And, like I said, I couldn't find how many points back they were at that point. But then, for the rest of the season, it was kind of the same, but they would get three wins here, two wins there. Okay. A lot Only a loss here, a loss there. And they ended the season on a four-game winning streak. They made the playoffs comfortably, too. They made it with 96 points. The Rangers were the last team at 93. Okay. And this was before they do the divisions now where it's the top three from each division and then the next two best teams. So this Mm. was a little different back then, but it really wouldn't have mattered because the next best Atlantic team was 85, and the next best Metro team, like I said, was 93. They got the last spot. That was the Rangers. So obviously this is the year the Sabres lose to the Flyers in the first round. The Flyers that year had 106 points in second place in the the conference, which is crazy. Yeah, wow. Mm. But looking at this and then looking at the team they had as well, you had Thomas Vanek as your leading point scorer with 73 points, Drew Stafford next up with 52, and then Jason Pominville as well with 52. Okay. It's kind of similar to looking at the Sabres this year and looking at the point totals they're kind of projected to finish and things like that, with, you know, Casey Middlestat leading the way as your leading point scorer. Mm-hmm. Your top scorers aren't really scoring. I mean, sure, Vanek at that time was kind of your top scorer since Breer and Drury left, and he was scoring, but you didn't really have anybody else. In this sense, you don't really have Tate Thompson scoring, and you still don't really have anybody else. I think that's the thing is like, I, and that's where my big fear is coming is like,
2: and, and I, I listened to our own Paul Hamilton today with with uh, Joe in the nine o'clock hour, and that, that was kind of my, that, I was waiting for Paul to say because like this this is how hmm. I was thinking. I was just like, no one's scoring. There's not like a guy taking over. There's the, and Paul said he goes, they're still not really scoring. They're they're grinding out goals. They're right. getting dirty goals. I mean, like they had a power play goal last night, which is like a shooting star at this point. But like, I was frustrated in the beginning of the game, Josh. Tate Thompson. It was not a. It was not a breakaway. But like, he, he's coming off the right side of the ice. It was the first period. He gets a cross ice pass. He's taking it, and the defenders on his left side. And he's just coming up, and it just the shot just had no gusto to it. It was low. It didn't really have any kind of threat, and it's just like it feels like that's how Tage Thompson's season is gone. It's like even mm-hmm. though you're seeing the handles are back, he's becoming more of a threat again. It just doesn't seem like that power is there. It just doesn't seem like last year it felt like if he had any sort of open patch of ice when he was shooting, hell on earth was rising for that goaltender. <laughs> like right. they
1: were in a rough spot when he when Tage got that puck in overtime. That, that was another I, thing too. I was like, man, that's a goal. Like, he's, there's he's no way that's right a goal. Right
2: in front of the net. There's really no defender immediately around him. He's able to make a move or two, and it's just a, it's a dud. It's a dud. Yeah. You know, the same with Alex Tuck. I think also in the first period, he's coming up the same side. It's another cross ice pass, and he just loses the puck entirely, doing almost nothing. It looks like. Yeah. And like that's where like, Paul brought up a lot last week, and I, and I totally agree. It's just like you need those guys to show up. You need your big dogs to become those guys to will this team to game to to wins, especially when you're getting such goal, a good goaltending. Right, you've got to be able to do that, and that's where it's just like I'm, I'm thrilled with last night's win. I'm thrilled that they finally have put together three good games in a row and they've won them. Mm-hmm. But like that's where I'm just like, can they go on this run here? Because it's not like UPL's got like a, a, a save percentage of like 940, and he's like under two goals against and it's like no no guys like you have to try to lose like it like he's willing you to games he's playing incredible yep but it's not that good where it's like truly disturbing stuff and they're just not they're not scoring still they're still having a tough time with that and like that's where if they do do anything at the trade deadline like i know it's its a full rumor i don't think it's anything at all but the brady kachuk thing he's from ottawa i, I don't really think that that's going to be a trade at all
1: interdivision trades especially because like that. of
2: that exactly yeah but that would at least get me excited, the idea of like maybe shake up the top line and go, no, we're going to get a guy who's got 25 goals this year. His numbers overall are down, but he's got 25 goals. You throw him right up there. He's not his brother, but he's still a big forward. He's still mm-hmm. fast. He still gets it done. He I think he'd work beautifully with uh, Thompson and Tuck. And, of course, in this you would you would trade Skinner in that deal. I get it. but Probably, yeah.
1: You'd, but, you'd have to again, something big.
2: I could not see Ottawa taking that deal. But in terms of like if they do make any moves, for me – it's got to be somebody that helps you now and in the next year. It's not for a rental, but like it, and again, like that's just where I, like for me with the Sabers, as much as like this is gonna be fun, if it's still just them grinding out goals and do and and just in scraping wins, that'll be fun because you you got that little like you know the the gritty feeling that like you know fans end up loving and I and I get it. I'm one of those two cardiac kids. The cardiac kids but what made them feel so dangerous last year and what it made it feel like they were they were entering a period where, oh, man, like they might be one of the powers of the East mm-hmm. was because they had guys putting up 90-point seasons. They had guys like Dylan Cousins making it look like he was going to be a perennial 30-plus goal scorer. Tuck really took a step forward. Skinner was – Skinner, you know, your kid line looked amazing and you thought all f- – those three were all going to come up together. I, like, that has been easily my my most disappointing part of this season is that for all the a, two of them or well, the three I, of them I should say the three of them plus cousins yeah and in part it's because just this team went from being so fun to watch last year and they lost games like they went on losing streaks don't oh, yeah. get me wrong and they still missed the playoffs mm-hmm. but it just it gave me a level of hope we have not seen in a long time and it gave me hope not just for last year but going into years forward that just they had figured it out i talked a lot about it last year about just how much i had appreciated Kevin Adams, actually seemingly caring about drafting and realizing that like that is how you, for the most part, build your teams. And then you trade a few pieces to get clear-cut guys now. But you look at the team and it's just, I don't know what happened. I don't know what discussions were going on about them needing to change everything. But the fact that it took around 50 games in for them to become what they did or, or what they were is frustrating beyond belief. And that's where, like, even if they go on this win streak, and I, was, and I brought up in the first hour, even if they go on this win streak, and it's amazing, and we're all having a blast. Let the, for argument's sake, let's say they win the next 10. Just for argument's sake, <laughs> they win the next 10. Wait,
1: as you're saying the next seven games or the next 10, they're on a 13-game win
2: streak? 10-game win streak. Okay. I was going to yeah. say 13. Not, not, th- not 13. Not 13, 13. 13. I would be... They win the next seven, they're on a 10-game <laughs> win streak. Yeah. Aren't we all just more frustrated that they they waited till the end of the season, essentially, to do this? Right. Aren't yeah. we all kind of sitting here going, where was this in the first few months of the season when you guys were healthy, outside of, like, Jack Quinn, when you had the entire fan base backing you? I mean, that's where I get incredibly frustrated, is I sit there—you remember when the season began, the Bills were, what— Six and five, six and six, somewhere, and that season was looking like it was going to be lost real fast. Yep. And you looked at the Sabers and went, and honestly went, at least we got the Sabers right. I remember tweeting that a Mm -hmm. few
1: times after the Bills
2: lost because we were honestly sitting there
1: and going, yeah, oh, 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 hey, I'm excited for you guys. Let's let's see what happens. Yeah, and then the Sabers come out and they lose five to four to one, five to one on opening night. Yep. To in a very bad, frustrating loss.
2: They're October. They are 4 and 5. They are 3 and 3 at home. Yeah. They start the season off a 5-1 loss to the Rangers. They then lose 3-2 to to the Islanders. They get a win over Tampa Bay. That
1: then they fun. lose
2: then they lose to Calgary. And that begins what ultimately is a season of just lose one, win one, lose one,
1: win one, lose right. one. And it's just and but, it kept going. But like I said before, that 2011-2010-2011 yeah. season was the exact same way, but it wasn't like you had the expectations. I mean, I I, I shouldn't say that cuz I don't remember that if there were expectations like there were this year but i don't think there were because lat- last year mm-hmm. was so much different than you have had in the past 10 years whereas back in 2010 2011 you look at the 10 years before that and it was well hey we were competing for Stanley Cups for a while and now we're like okay minor rebuild time let's let's figure it out so it's 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 a different landscape but in the same way it's not because mm-hmm. you were going through a transitional period this year's kind of a transitional period of all right your young guys are getting older and you're bringing in some of your more predominant prospects mm-hmm. to mold in with the guys that were your prospects yeah and it's it's kind of this like coming of age team where it's hey you're you're an nhl veteran now go out there and play like it and, and it's, figure are talking
2: out. about in the first hour of like why are you still treating them all like this is their second game in the nhl right exactly like, and, it's okay to threaten a guy's job in professional sports. And, and I'm not saying outright threaten, but, like, no, no. make him feel like, man, I got a performer. I'm not going to be in Buffalo when this team gets good. Ugo Pekalukainen. He is the perfect
1: case study for this.
2: We'll never know what those conversations were. No. But in my right. head, the fact that they just kind of anointed Levi in the offseason mm-hmm. is, like, going to be the guy. We're going to play him until his legs fall off the whole thing. It. I don't care if it comes out years later that that's not what happened. It is my headcanon now. UPL ran with that and yep. is now looking like the Sabers are going to have a dominant 1-2 at goaltender because Levi now that he's playing in Rochester and learning professional hockey looks, fantastic. looks unbelievable in Rochester. Yeah.
1: Right. Looks unbelievable. He's keeping them in games. Rochester has had their issues this year. Levi is keeping them in games single-handedly. Yeah. And that's fantastic. That's what he should have been doing all year. And I know I was very excited for Levi. I thought he could make it at the NHL level. He played great in the 7 games they needed to needed to have him play last year. And I, like a lot of people, were very excited. Like, it was an exciting time. You had a, the best goaltender since Ryan Miller. And, and arguably, I mean, arguably. You know. oh, yeah, there, sure. There's been moments from other guys, but it, it looked like you had, hey, this young kid's going to go on a run, and we're going to go on the playoffs, and we're going to do something here. And then it, you built on that in the offseason of like, well, we don't really need a goalie because we have Devin Levi, and we'll figure the rest out later. Lukanen, yeah, you might be a waiver claim. You might be sent down to Rochester. And then all of a sudden, you come into this season, Levi doesn't look great, and Lukanen pops in out of nowhere when you're like, well, I guess we have to go to him. And it's like, yeah, no problem. I got it. Let's, not, go, let's go for it. And that's, yeah. that's the thing that's, that's like I said, if you look at Lukanen, you can look at him as the perfect case study of, hey, play for your job, and you'll earn it. Exactly. Like, play for your job, and you'll earn
2: it. And, and like – I also wonder if we all were jumping on the Levi bandwagon, yes, those seven games are great. Mm-hmm. And yes, we were all excited at the prospect. But we were also all kind of told, pretty much from the word go of the offseason, Levi's the guy. Yeah. They're not gonna add a goaltender. They're right. not gonna trade for one. I mean, I it became a running joke that whenever Paul Hamilton came out with the afternoon guys, that it was just like, they're not adding a goaltender. They're not gonna do it. <laughs> right. And like so that's like did we all kind of just get to a point, yes, we're excited, but did we all kind of just accept it was going to happen? Mm-hmm. And, like, that's where some of the hype was. It's just like, it's going to be Levi. Like, it better work. And we got to a point that, like, I don't think many of us really ever thought that UPL was going to have this kind of season. Right. And yet, here we are. Uh, Do you want to get connected to our fans here real quick? That's brought to you by Northtown Kia, Western New York's number 1 Kia dealer. Shop online at NorthtownKia.com. Todd tweets in. And he's talking here on the offense. That's what I can't figure out. How is Thompson and to a lesser extent Tuck not scoring? I was so frustrated last night with Thompson not scoring. Still the funniest game I've watched. Or still the funnest game I've watched all year. I do agree on that. I had a blast watching that game. It oh, was yeah. a, it was a great overall game. Yeah, they've won nine to four. That was a, it was a ball. Loved that. <laughs> but in terms of who the opponent was, the circumstances. You're you know you're at home. You've won two in a row. There's always kind of this fun little joke of like, can they win three in a row? Is is today the day? (laughs) And they finally do it. And it was just, that was nice to see it finally happen. But yeah, man, like just where is the scoring? I don't think this is the team. In, in in the sense of like this is who they actually are. No, I don't think no. so.
1: Well, that's the thing. People have been throwing around like, "Oh, was last year a fluke? Is Tage Thompson going to be an elite scorer?" This is the fluke. This season is the fluke. That last night showed that, and I know Thompson didn't. score. I would say even the last few games have showed it. Well, yeah, like he's not getting on the score sheet, but he looks back. Like he, it looks like he's been
2: dealing with an injury.
1: And that was the big thing last year too. Was there were there were points last season, especially from January on, where Tage was invisible but the team was still winning yep and that's the important part here. that's where like i want this is where i want to go next because throughout this whole season it's been this looming thing of what are the sabers going to do with casey Middlestat? and if anyone says anything but sign him unless it's a screamer of a deal for a trade it's the wrong answer you have to sign casey Middlestat because he has developed the way you wanted him to develop he's Mm -hmm. developed into what you want it just took him a little longer because you tried to rush him at first, and that's not the fault of this GM and this coach. Yeah, it was not it this.
2: Was, it was not this core.
1: Right. It was the Phil Housley era and
2: Botterill. I think so. Botterill. Yeah, think that was when it was. Yeah.
1: Botterill Murray like kind of switched off somewhere in there. I there were too many of them. I can't keep them all straight anymore. Um, <laughs> but but that's where I'm at with Casey Middlestadt because had you not rushed him, had he played in the AHL for the right amount of time and whatever, and like let's say. Two years ago was his first year in the NHL. Or last year was his first... No, it wouldn't have been last year. Two years ago.
2: Two, three years ago, yeah. Two years ago
1: was his first year in the NHL, or first real year in the NHL, first full season. If this is what you're getting out of him right now, after what would be three years in the NHL, this is exactly what you're asking for. Yep. This is what you're looking for. This is great. But because he's been here since he's 18, it looks like he's almost like a failed prospect. And it's well, like, oh, okay, yeah, He's been here since he's 18. He's 24 now. Is this just a good year and he's going to go back he's going to regress to the mean next year mm-hmm. i don't think so because he looks completely different again playing for your job to a lesser extent but it's still the same idea of lukinin where Middlestat comes in and he's this golden boy of oh my god he's going to be great and then he's nothing and then you bring in tage thompson and he's fantastic and oh look dylan cousins is pretty good too oh yeah casey middle yeah he's just he's just kind of there and then all of a sudden <laughs> he's your guy He's yeah. leading your team in points. And he has been and you're, basically all one year. of your bright spots. He's got 44 points in 58 games, 13 goals, 31 assists. I know the contract might be kind of expensive, and you don't want to give another guy a seven-year, $7 million deal. Was does
2: the thing? But, I'm, I'm not giving Casey Middlestad that.
1: But you also can't give him the Reinhardt treatment of, hey, we're going to no. sign you to a three-year, $5 million deal, and then we're going to price ourselves out of you in your first year of UFA. Because mm-hmm. Middlestad's an RFA this year, and – He's in an RFA next year if you sign him to a one-year yeah. deal. So if anything, sign him to a one-year contract. This is probably not something he wants. But if you're the organization, mm-hmm. sign him to a one-year deal as a prove-it me prove it contract mm-hmm. and see what happens next year. If he continues it, give him the big payout or yeah. big-ish payout because you can't keep giving everybody $7 million yeah. deals.
2: I think that's my thing. Though, was like, I, I've kind of come to this. Just a, Casey Middlestad is going to be on this roster. I think he is going to be, I think he's gonna sign a long-term deal. Unless you get a great trade, like yes. you said. But so speaking on the trades then, like even for this year and next year, you do need help on the blue line. You need help defensively. You've got to get rid of some of these prospects, man. Like I'm going to be hammering that point until we pass the deadline, and then I'm likely going to be hammering the point that they didn't do anything and I'm upset. <laughs> because there's just where where is the room? Right. And even then with some of these guys you have now, I still feel like we maybe should talk about trading some of the guys they have now. Like, Skinner, I love Skinner. I would look all offseason for anyone that wants to take on the, the rest of that contract. That
1: contract's getting tougher and tougher as you're getting closer to Tuck needs an extension. Yep. Quinn and Paterka need The idea of not having Quinn deals. on
2: that top line next year because yep. of Jeff Skinner's there, and I, lo- and I love Skinner, and like, that's where I don't want this to come off as bad, but the idea of not having him on that top line with how good he has been mm-hmm. when he is on the ice, and his injuries are not like oh man, he's he's picking up injuries, this is bad. They're fluky. He takes yep. a big hit and his leg bends weird. Yep. We don't know how the Achilles happened, but he clearly came back from that just fine. And really the big thing here as well, we know this injury doesn't have to do with the Achilles.
1: Yeah.
2: Or his yeah. is ACL. So that's phenomenal. So, But like the idea then of holding him back, because we have to keep this same core exactly there. Quinn looks like a guy that might be an 85-point guy. If he plays an yeah. entire 82 game season or 78, 82, because I think I think Thompson's topped out at 78 most of his career. Both, he looks like a guy seasons. who is going yeah. to, yeah. He, but he looks like a guy who's going to be just like one of your your, your future guys, yeah. That just you lean on heavily. Paterka kind of looks like the same thing. But if because you've kept Skinner here, who's not going to be here anymore when you are even great, let alone good at this point. That's frustrating when you have prospects like Matthew Savoy, where you're sitting there going, "Where does he fit yeah and and that that's just where i've I've got to see something from this group for me to even get excited for next year because this off season and now leading into this year, look, and I said it yesterday, I got excited, I was pumped when power scored, but i I am on a knife's edge with this team. It feels like every day. Like I'm excited today, but you can already hear to my voice. Just that the just cautiousness. Like, yeah,
1: Ca- yeah, caution. And I'm I'm kind of with you on I'm getting there on Skinner, but I'm more so, like yes, maybe maybe look around for trades. Maybe why not? But I would more so find out where else he works in your lineup. Use this year and even the beginning of next season. Find out where he works. See if he works with Middlestadt. Mm-hmm. See if he works with Stat and Paterka. Mm-hmm. Benson and Paterka, Benson and Krebs, some, something like that. Because Krebs has looked great when you put him with Benson, Paterka, and Middlestack. You mean, people
2: that can actually play it, offense.
1: Exactly. <laughs> and, and now I don't want to see you know the, the Ralph Kruger treatment of, oh, well, Skinner's going to go down the lineup because he needs to learn how to be a team player or something yeah. like that. But I want to see where else Quinn can work. And if Quinn, coming back away from Cousins and Paterka— is still detrimental to them. Because that's the thing. When Quinn came back and was put with Paterka and Cousins, Cousins looked like Dylan Cousins. Yeah,
2: absolutely. And Paterka
1: kept going. And that's the other thing that's exciting about this end of the season here where you can kind of get close. Quinn can come back and play in the last month or so of this yep. season, which is that's
2: and you'll, And you'll still be able to see him and, and how he's looking, which, I mean, again, up to this point, and like I'm going to remember this now until he plays another game. 17 games played, 12 points. I mean, like he came in and just a light in the dark kind of deal. I think I mean, he had
1: 2 points in his first 2 games. He and he looked like, good right away, yeah. like
2: you brought up, like he immediately made Cousins look like Dylan Cousins again. And look, that's where there's also this frustration of man, like maybe they never go on this scoring issue because Quinn's there, you know, day one. He doesn't hurt his it doesn't hurt his Achilles. He's there day one and the second line keeps going and we're fine. Maybe. I don't know. But just I think it's just I'm so frustrated with this team because I want them to do well. I liked this group so much last year, and it did just feel like they kind of, I don't want to say ruined it, but really just hurt any kind of fanfare people were feeling with this team. Do got to take a quick timeout here. We'll Look for your calls, 803-0550, if you want to join in on the conversation. Zach Jones, Josh Schmidt hanging out with you here on the Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show. And we'll be right back after a quick timeout. This is WGR
0: Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Thought he was great. You know, he played 20-plus minutes, scored a goal, but he, he was really good all the way through. And, you know, you, you, sometimes when a guy's out, you know, you don't see him and, and you miss him. And, and I can tell you on the bench, you know, there were lots of moments today where like, is it nice to have him in the lineup.
2: Savers head coach Don Granado there on Owen Power who missed the last few weeks due to an injury, and then first game back scores the game-tying goal. Great feed from Krebs, who's been also very, very good the last few games and really is finally getting rewarded for. He's been one of their better offensive forwards the last few games, and to finally get rewarded, love to see that. And then Owen Powers, well, having an up-and-down season to get a goal. You saw how much it meant to him. Love, love, love to see that, especially the young team. I want them to get confident. I just, man, I... I'm having a weird relationship with them because a part of me is just like, I want them to get good. I want them to go on a win streak. I want them to do that this year.
1: You're scared to be hurt again. No, not even scared <laughs> to be hurt
2: again. I just, I, I want this team to make moves. I want there to, because I think the guys who were threatened a little bit with their jobs, Casey Middlestad and Lugan in the name two, did well when pushed. When they were put into a corner of either figure it out or you're gone, they did really well. And we're also still sitting here kind of waiting to see if Tuck and Thompson are ever going to kind of figure it out this season. Cousins as well. And I don't know. I mean, they're, they're winning three games without those guys really doing much. And, like, that'll be a thing, too, is, like, if they keep going, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Do want to remind you to tune in all this week as WGR covers the NFL Scouting Combine from Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis, and that is brought to you by Awaken 180 Weight Loss, Fast Sustainable Weight Loss, and then free support for life, awaken 180 weightlosscom And by Outlet Liquor, when you need to stock up, it's the place to buy a case. What's your outlet? It's been very sabers heavy today. We took a few calls, love to hear from the fans as always. But we do got to transition over to the Combine, Josh, mainly because I am so excited. It I was going to say this is, is, is
1: like this is like Christmas for you, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's called. Actually,
2: no, no, this is more like Thanksgiving. Yeah, and then the, and, and the draft, then the draft is, Christmas. is Christmas. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, actually. And they're about the same space. It's apart. about the same space apart. It gets you excited for the other holiday. Mm-hmm. You know, there's problems with Thanksgiving when you're like, hey, no one really gets gifts. You kind of just show up to like your one relative's house. You Eat good food. What's Halloween? What
1: the is Senior the Bowl. Would it be? Oh, I guess if you're staying with the draft thing, if you're yeah. staying with draft, because then it's like it's the Senior Bowl. Get, you get these great nuggets every once in a while here and there at the Senior Bowl, like you get great candy every once in a while at Halloween. Mm-hmm. And then there are some people
2: that deeply hate it.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of people that deeply hate Halloween. Yeah, look at
2: that. Look at us. I don't like Halloween at all. What? But so on the combine, and I, I've said it a lot of the last few weeks of just like it's a lot of nothing. But the little things we get, I love. I'm here for the 40 times. I'm here to watch the athletic freaks that no one knew about, who's likely going to be a third, fourth round pick, makes plays, and you're just sitting there going, "Okay, who are you?" This was interesting. Like I, I'm all for that stuff. What I truly like about it and even love is, and I've and I brought this up a lot, the rumor season that begins. You know, the fact that at the combine or slow or quickly following the combine. Justin Fields could be traded from the Bears. Hmm. And then to me, that's when, you know, the NFL offseason really begins. When we kind of know what's going to be going on in the draft, everyone's kind of got their game faces on, and we're heading into free agency, that's when it feels like it really starts for me. And, of course, free agency comes before the draft. But with free agency, it's a lot of just quick fire, you know, everything's done in a day, and then there's just, and then there's like the slow, you know, afterthoughts that kind of get finished out the one two-year deals maybe there's a three-year deal you know sometimes there's a bigger one in the after the first two days but usually it's all done fairly quick and don't get me wrong the salary cap news from friday was big the bills went from being about 55 million dollars over the cap to around 41 42 million dollars and they have yet to make a roster move that would kind of put them under which i'm like waiting with bated breath for the Bills to do anything in terms of, like, cap relief. And they haven't done it yet. And
1: I just feel like it's all going to be announced in, like, one day. So Yeah, Sunglasses Bean is just going to do it at, like, 3.30 in the morning on a Tuesday. And we're all going to wake up like, huh? And I won't be annoyed. It's just no, like I'm no, sitting here and I'm like, I, I'd kind of like to have an idea of
2: what they're going to do or, or what money they're going to have come free agency. right? Because it does look like now with that cap relief that came... I don't want to say came due, but just with the thirty million dollar increase to the cap, all of a sudden the idea of like bringing back DaQuan Jones and AJ Epinesa felt realistic, and maybe even Leonard Floyd, maybe even Leonard Floyd if you can get him on another one year deal. It's just it felt realistic depending on what they do, right? You know, ultimately, what probably happens, and I'd be just as fine with this. They don't have to kick the can down as much. They don't have to change as many contracts, yeah. as they. Maybe thought they were going to have to, but like New Orleans, already is fine, and they live in (laughs) cap hell every day. They just sit in the lava all day, and that's that's them. But like they got right to it, done. And I'm just looking at the Bills, and I'm like, all right, guys, can and and it's and it's nothing, and it's not a wrong way to do it. There's not a right way to do it for me. I'm just I'm just jittery. Like I'm like, can you? I want to know where
1: where we stand. Right. Come free agency. Could part of it with the Bills too be? are they worried or not worried? Are they kind of wondering what the rest of the league is going to do here? Like, are they, are they almost like waiting it out just a little bit? Just like, do they have it all in place and they're just going to do it all on one day? Like you said, because they don't want to kind of show their hand. Like what if, what they're going to do in terms of restructuring shows their hand of like, Oh, they're clearing cap space to go get this guy or that guy. And I guess you could say that any year, Mm -hmm. but I wonder if there's just something different about this year where they don't really want to show that quite yet i don't know
2: i mean the, the only thing i've thought about is like is how radically different the wide receiver market looks in free agency Mm -hmm. so like if you're the bills you're now looking at kansas city going okay they're probably going to draft somebody
1: right as well as they should be thinking the same thing about themselves
2: yeah because ultimately like t higgins got franchised now he could get traded i'd very much expect that to happen and then mike evans who was who seemed like the big fish that was potentially going to hit the open market now a lot of reports from this weekend have it where he's actually going to be staying in tampa and they're really going to try to build around him and baker for the next you know two or three years here because baker's also looking to get a big deal as well yeah I'm fine with it. I, you know, you're in a bad NFC South. Win now while you can. I get it. I'm. I totally understand it.
1: So you think a lot of this is going to come out this week? And yeah. What? So with 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 the combine, in your opinion, Mm -hmm. as like you know, the draft guy here and everything, because I know you're very into it and everything like that. Mm -hmm. What What should people not focus on in terms of like? What the players do what the prospects do like because I know you said you're very into the forty times and things like that so I mean yeah of course what is there to I mean kind of stay away from like oh that guy didn't do very good there it's like well I mean like there's always the dK Metcalf compare right.
2: or, or, or example where like yeah. you know, he was a physical freak and then he does the three cone drill and uh, everyone overreacts to it mm-hmm. even though it's like well yeah Metcalf's a guy that's he's bigger than you he's going to run in a damn near straight line and <laughs> right. like that's how he's going to dominate and he has he's been fine his entire career you know a lot of it too i don't really care how fast guys run at quarterbacks in terms of their 40 time you'll have the one ri- wide receiver drill the gauntlet where they they're just running in, in a straight line and they you know boom 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 and they're just catching it down the field yeah that's fine you're, you're more looking how naturally they catch the ball i mean that's always something i look for like you know does it look difficult for them to make just routine catches or is it very are they are they very seamless about it you also want to just see like how athletic these guys are, you know, when they're doing the broad jump and stuff like that. Like how different do they look compared to everyone? Because that'll be something where like this guy may be from a small school, but is popping off, right? And is clearly a specimen. You're clearly going to be getting something special in these later rounds. Because I mean, like that's the thing for me too. Is like here I'm going to be watching. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to care what Brian Thomas Jr. and Troy Franklin and especially Nine Mitchell run in the 40 time. Adonai, it's just because I'm a Texas fan. And his name's being brought up a lot in the first round. But for me, it's like, as a Bills fan, I want speed. And if he runs on the four fives, I don't want to say he's out for me because if he's there, I take him. But it's just like, it doesn't add, I think, what the Bills desperately need on offense enough. Where if he runs in like the low four fours, I f- add his name to now it's a big <laughs> three of guys that I want them to get late in the first round. Yeah. But, you know, again, like, yeah, like just at the wide receiver position. But like, I'm going to look at a lot of guys like Ricky Pearsall. Malachi Corley, Ladd McConkney, like what do these guys do? Because I'm also going to be looking now at at how long are we going to go here before these guys before the wide receiver run does happen. And if Ladd McConkney goes out there and runs in the low 4-4s, if Ricky Pearsall's a four three guy, if Malachi Corley's a low four four guy, that early second round might be violent in terms of just wide receiver after wide receiver after wide receiver after wide receiver. Well that's where I wonder and too. And that's and that's where for me it'll be like, okay, the Bills may have to go round one. Just for the yeah. sheer fact that by sixty, you know, eighteen receivers could be taken.
1: Yeah, and I also wonder too, like, how much will guys like Pearsall and Corley rise up in that second round? Because mm-hmm. because it kind of depends on how many get taken in the first round and who all is left over. Because it's also. It's interesting to see, like, like who do you think is the biggest riser at the combine? Yeah, potentially oh. biggest riser. And that's,
2: and that's the thing, too. I mean, the DK Metcalf right. example, again, yeah. because the moment after the combine, I think he went as high as, like, the fourth overall pick for some mock drafts, mm-hmm. where it was just like, no, no, he's, like, the greatest specimen we've ever seen at the wide receiver position and, and all that stuff. Yeah. But, like, that's, yeah, that's the thing, too, is, like, you have the risers at the senior bowl. Malachi Corley, Ricky Pearsall, Ladd McConkney where those guys. Right. It could be the same thing at the combine, where it, they hit again, where it's just like, yeah, they're they're... You know, they're strong, they're fast, they look natural, they're interviewing well. That, but that's also a thing that I pay attention to with the Combine is just what are we hearing out of Indianapolis? Mm-hmm. The big example of that last year was Anthony Richardson. And, yeah, and I remember that. that was, like, he was yeah. the big guy. And then the other one, Darnell Washington, the, mm-hmm. tight end out of, the other tight end out of Georgia. Now we're seeing Brock Bowers come out this year. But those two were kind of like the main characters of last year's Combine. Richardson comes in and puts together one of the best workouts you've ever seen. He's got the Josh Allen-type arm. He's got his size. He's faster. He's raw. But you love what you're seeing from him. Like, you love the idea of what Anthony Richardson can be. And then Darnell Washington is just the most physically freaky tight end you've ever seen. And it makes you wonder, like, how high is he going to go? I mean, I was somebody the last year. I thought Darnell Washington would have been a first-round pick, sheerly for his athletic talent. He didn't do anything this year. Not a thing. Yeah, right. (laughs) He was a complete afterthought. But his athletic profile you sat there and went, man, maybe he does go early. And that's going to be kind of the same thing. This is where you'll start to find out how NFL teams actually feel about guys because right now we really don't know. Mm-hmm. We honestly don't know. Many of these teams already have their boards set. They can usually kind of figure out how fast these guys are, how strong they are, what have you, before we get to Indianapolis. But let's say Troy Franklin, perfect example, goes out there and runs like a four-three-one, and, I mean, just burns the four-yard yeah. dash. And then all of a sudden you see it's like, no, no, he's he's getting taken in the early teens. Like we're having four wide receivers lead the board early. That also probably tells you what NFL franchises were already thinking, which is no no, Franklin's speed and size is just too too much for teams to not go for. Brian Thomas, let's say he runs in the high four threes, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay, now he's different. And it's the same thing. Now he's being taken in the teens in these mock drafts by guys like Daniel Jeremiah that are talking to NFL scouts and GMs and getting a little bit more reading on what's going on then we can really it for me really figure out where this draft is going to go i am somebody i think only four maybe five receivers are being taken in the first round it's just too deep of a class but if all of a sudden we leave the combine and the report is no no it's too talented at the top for these guys to not for teams to not jump at these guys It's the reevaluation period, and that's what I love the most about the draft is just how radically it can change week to week, month to month, just based off the senior bowl or the combine or then eventually the pro days. And then you hear about these private private workouts they had. And, well, this team loves, I mean, a few years ago, Pittsburgh, it was like known they were taking Najee Harris in like the 20s. Because you just heard so much about how much they loved him. And they, that was just running away with that. We've talked a lot about, you know, Zach Wilson to the Jets a number of years ago at the number two overall pick. That's what I love so so much is just how much the draft analysis changes because you get a few rumors here or there, you get a few nuggets here and there. You really see how fast somebody actually is. And then it just all changes. And then you have to kind of you, you have to reshuffle the deck. Because you have you have a new image, and you have to kind of run with that. Absolutely love it. Do got to take a quick timeout here when we come back. Quick final segment before we get you off to Sabres Live, as Marty and Duffer will, of course, break down the Sabres 3-2 overtime win over the Carolina Hurricanes. And also, Josh, it's another big week for another thing. Another sport is starting up this weekend. We'll talk a little bit more about that after a quick timeout. Listen to the Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show right here on WGR. Happy Monday, everyone. Happy Combine Week. Arnold Sal Capaccio is going to be down in Indianapolis all week. As WGR's coverage of the NFL Scout and combine from Luke Soil Stadium in Indianapolis begins today and is brought to you by Awaken 180 Weight Loss, fast, sustainable weight loss, then free support for life, awaken180weightloss.com, and by Outlet Liquor, when you need to stock up, it's the place to buy a case. What's your outlet? And Josh, do you know what else is happening this week?
1: Shohei Otani's playing his first game for the Dodgers tomorrow. That is so mean of you to say. <laughs> that is just so mean of you to say. No, he but is. yes, it is happening. Is hap- it is happening that is
2: happening. The Angels' average age, I swear to you, was like 21 and a half really? this year. They're a very, very young roster.
1: They also gave... They're um, not
2: going to be good this year, but I kind of am okay with that. They I also just accepted it. Gave Otani's number away to Hunter Dozier? Random player. Love it. Random player. I've heard of his name before. Random player. Maybe not even make the team. Love it. Sweet. No, but there is other things going on this week. That is, the Formula 1 season is starting. Woo! We had testing this past weekend. Red Bull, no surprise, no surprise, was the fastest car, followed by, I believe, Ferrari, McLaren, Mercedes were all there. So it, it, it's you know pretty normal at the top. We get it. Uh, but it did feel a little bit closer. I don't know. I've read some rumors that there's a lot of pace left for the Red Bull car, which um, is horrifying. But – Race week is this week, and the only reason really I want to bring it up today is kind of as a program note, it is happening on Saturday, not Sunday. Mm -hmm. That is due to Ramadan being in Sunday. It is the Bahrain Grand Prix, so that, of course, is in the Middle East. That makes sense. And with that, we'll have practices on Thursday. Practice one and two will be on Thursday. Practice three will be Friday morning for them, followed then by qualifying, which will be around, I think, 10, 11 in the morning, our time, and then the race will be on Saturday that's going to be at 10 a.m. is when we'll have green lights there. And I just – the sport unbelievably frustrates me, mm-hmm. and I like it all the same. <laughs> like, I'm I'm excited. I, I got to watch Drive to Survive this latest season. It came out on Friday last What's week. What's the whole
1: thing with Danica Patrick? Like, why is uh, she – Oh, she's part of it. She's covering it But – but she started she, covering
2: Formula One last year and now it's just kind of part of their their panel of experts. I've
1: just seen a lot of people like kind of like are like confused by the fact that she got added because of the fact that she never raced Formula One.
2: That is fair. I can understand like, that because like that's what I've liked. As much as like guys like Will Buxton just say like the most obvious stuff you're ever gonna hear in your right. life. Yeah. It is partially supposed to kind of ease Americans into a very okay. European I've dominant just, sport. I've just And seen, I think that's why is Danica Patrick is known yeah. in American motorsport. Right. And you just will be like, oh Danica Patrick, but the problem is it's season six. There's not a random person just jumping in six seasons in and being like, "I'm gonna watch this one." It's like, eh, right? It's it's more so to kind of try to retain audiences. Probably, I think so.
1: I think so. It's fine. I have no real problems with it. No, I was just curious because I've been seeing a lot of people on on Mm -hmm. you know Twitter and social media and all that stuff of like, hey, why is she just kind of genuinely confused jumping in here? This is weird. Uh, and then I also do want to hit a college basketball story
2: here, real quick. Duke's Kyle Filipowski uh, suffered a knee injury following a court storming. Serious knee injury? Uh, I don't think so. Or at least okay. all I know is it's a knee injury. Hmm. I don't think there's any been, anything been released any further. I mean, it was on Saturday, so you know there is right. still time there. But Wake Forest wins the game. Their fans storm the court. They beat the number one team in the na- or the, excuse me, the number eight team in the nation. They likely secured them spot in the NCAA tournament. So it was a huge win for Wake Forest. I don't love court stormings because you know this will be an issue. And I mainly don't love it because fans are idiots. Yeah. And I hate saying it like that. There's no other way I can say it other than fans are dumb. Because you saw in the video fans just in a dead sprint, not caring for anyone else at all. They just want to get to the middle of the court. And it happened a few months ago with Caitlin Clark of Iowa. Where not even. Just, it was a couple of weeks ago. A couple weeks ago where she is just, just bulldozed over by a fan because they're not paying attention because they don't care. And it's because it's the opposing team, so they really don't care. And it was the same with Phil Powski. I know there was a there was a camera up top, that he looked like he was trying to chirp a fan. He's clearly trying to walk to get out of there. Yeah. But what frustrates me is... Guys, fans were on the court before the game officially ended. There was actively no time for Filipowski to get off the court in time, unless you're saying with 10 seconds left and they're down, I think, five or six at that point, leave now. And that's right. ridiculous. Yes, like, that's, that's I, I'm, not, I'm not doing that. I do know the SEC as a conference, I think, is banned um, court stormings. doesn't matter. Schools pay a fine. They don't care. And I love the imagery. I get it. But, man, is it frustrating. That's going to do it for us. Coming up next, Sabres Live as they break down the Sabres to 3-2 win over Carolina. That's going to do it for us. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great rest of your day. You're listening to WGR.
0: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof?